Welcome back to Pastor Life Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm a Pinnacle Associate and the pastor of Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And I'm David Brown, pastor of the Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and I'm also a Pinnacle Associate and glad to be hosting this podcast with my friend Rhonda. Well, here in Season 6 of Pastor Life Podcast, we have a very special guest presenter. His name is the Reverend Dr. David Brown, and he's leading us in a study, I would call it, I guess, of Holy Experiments, Strategy for Joining God's Mission in the World. David is uniquely um, talented and gifted and trained in this area. He actually teaches a class um, on you know, strategic thinking at Duke Divinity School. David, why don't you recap where we've been so far in this series? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of this content has come from that class that you mentioned. And really in the first couple weeks, what we've done is laid out kind of some background on strategic thinking and what does that look like in the church? Uh, do we have particular uh, end goals or uh, purposes that maybe don't exist in the same way with strategic thinking in the business world? Um, so what makes Christian strategic thinking actually Christian? And then in the second episode, we talked about some of the barriers or roadblocks to um, doing strategic thinking well. And how do the cognitive biases that we bring to the project or how do the mental models and maps, uh, maybe the things that we're really comfortable with and that have worked for you know, 20, 30 years but might not work the way they used to, how do those kind of create a barrier to creative thinking? And um, so we talked a little bit about how to avoid those or what are some processes we can put into place to, to move beyond them or just see our context a little more clearly. So now I think over the next few weeks, we're going to move into some models and methodologies for actually putting this into practice in congregations. Great. I have learned a lot from you so far, and I look forward to learning models and uh, some tools. Uh, maybe put some more tools in my pastoral tool belt for strategic thinking and leading. And actually, that brings up another good point is that with this season of the podcast, we're also trying something a little bit new in that we're both video recording. And so this video of our conversation, if you're listening to it uh, as a podcast, you can also view it on YouTube. And we're also putting together a toolkit. Um, so a toolkit that will really help you take some of this content and put it into practice, whatever your ministry setting or maybe just some other area of your life that needs some intentional and strategic thinking. Um, so that toolkit will be something that's available as well um, through our Pastor Life website. And David, I appreciate you putting that out to the, uh, to the world uh, kind of as a gift uh, to other clergy out there. Um, thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's been fun to be able to share this with you, and uh, hopefully there's a wider audience, and uh, that these tools can really make a difference in the lives of, of, of pastors, leaders, and churches. That's the hope, at least. Yeah. Well, let's move into session three of season six, Holy Experiments, Strategy for Joining God's Mission in the World with the Reverend Dr. David Brown. So, David, you said we're moving into um, more exploring some models for strategic thinking and planning. So I wonder, what, what do you have for us today? Do you have a model for us to explore and learn about today? 
Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned, over the next three weeks, I think we'll look at, or in the next three sessions, we'll look at three different methodologies or models. And the first one today is called the Strategic Choice Cascade. So um, this is a series of questions that can help us to think more deeply uh, and intentionally about some of the bigger questions, foundational questions about our organizations and missions. Um, So uh, I think this will be a a bigger picture tool. Um, Next week, we'll talk about design thinking and some very specific tools that can be pulled out for, um, you know, a, a, a single decision-making process or something on the fly with the leadership team. And then the third week, we'll talk about integrative thinking, which really is about a larger method, mindset kind of uh, approach to particularly challenging problems where there doesn't seem to be a, a clear set of potential answers. So I think that's kind of where okay. we're headed. And we'll start with this idea of the strategic choice cascade. Okay. So in a cascade, I'm thinking, you know, like there's a pyramid, maybe an inverted pyramid, or or am I, is there a visual you can put before me? So maybe a cascade like a waterfall. Um, Okay. You know, I guess that's a, you know, when you think of a waterfall, that's technically a cascade, right? And the water kind of flows off and and kind of down uh, level to level. Okay. And so these five strategic questions um, and all of this, uh, the, the basic model for this comes from uh, Roger Martin and A.G. Laughley. And we'll reference that in the notes if people want to read okay. more deeply. But uh, Martin and Laughley, they propose these five questions as a cascade. So they sort of spill over in a particular order. Um, but as they spill over and inform one another. Sometimes you work back up to the top and have to kind of spill back over again as new information comes forward. So there is sort of a direction. uh, There's a a movement to them, but you also have the opportunity to kind of cycle back as needed in the process. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense. So what, okay. So you've got five questions. Why don't you uh, drop the first one on us? Yeah. So uh, why don't I let let me drop all five and then we'll come back to the first one. Okay. And that way people can hear them all and maybe they'll say, what in the world is that one about? And we'll circle back (laughs) around to them. So the five strategic questions um, and and the way that they flow into one another. um, The first is, what is our winning aspiration? Um, So that's the the level one question. What is Mm -hmm. our winning aspiration? The next question is, where will we play? The third question is, how will we win? The fourth question is, what capabilities do we need? And the Mm -hmm. fifth question is, what structures or systems need to be in place? Yeah. Okay. So, All right. So the first question is, what is our winning aspiration? That's not language um, I'm used to in the church. I guess this is a business model, right? So It is. It is a business model. What might that look like in a church? Yeah, so I think with each of these questions, uh, we're going to need to do a little bit of theological work, right? So we've got a really mm-hmm. uh, helpful model that doesn't come from the world of, of Christianity or, or church life, and we've got a helpful model that we want to then be able to sort of translate or put our theological frame on. 
So yeah, I think it's hard for us, or we don't tend to think about winning as our goal or objective <laughs> in the church. And so to start with a question of what is our winning aspiration, I think can be a challenging question. Um, so what I would suggest is maybe we think about substituting some word for winning. Um, okay. So what is our winning aspiration? You know, maybe it's what is our faithful aspiration? Or uh, what do we, mm -hmm. I, you could just use, what do we aspire to as a congregation? Uh, actually, I really like that because the word aspire, mm -hmm. you know, has that root word, S-P-I-R, spire, spirit. Uh, you know, that right. idea of, you know, wh what does it look like when we're really living into the spirit of what God has called us to be in the world? Um mm -hmm. So, so to me, I think for the church with that first question, what is our winning aspiration? It might look more like, um, what is God calling us to do or be in the world? Or it might be, what does it look like to be a flourishing community of faith in our mm -hmm. neighborhood? Or what does it look like to build the beloved community here on earth as it is in heaven? Oh, yeah. You know, I love that language. Thank you, Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. I also think, what is the, uh, this is not probably language I would use with the church, but among us pastors, what is the local expression of the Missio Dei? Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know, the key for this is I, I think this ought to be a high-level question where you're thinking about what mm -hmm. is the the grandest mission to which God is calling us. So the winning aspiration, this ought to be something that truly is aspirational. You know, it ought to be big and it ought to um, require an awful lot to live into it. Um, it, it. In other words, this should be a guiding question that could be there for quite a while. You know, that the winning aspiration would be something that draws our congregation into the future, not just for next week or next year, but in the largest sense. Is it, it could be, I'm thinking, a well-written vision statement, you know, that the church is actually invested in. Is, is yeah. that connected to this? Yeah, I think if, the, if there is a sort of, with, with each of these questions, there's not necessarily kind of a one-to-one -one of, this is sort of a final product we might have. But I think with this one, the thought of a mission or vision statement, um, the way that Martin Laffley would talk about this is that, you know, an aspiration is a statement or a vision about the ideal future. Uh, mm. This is the guiding purpose of the whole enterprise. And, and so all of these other questions that cascade down from it they're sort of built off of a, a winning aspiration. Um, so, you know, they, they suggest some of the, the, uh, the sort of the mission statements of some big companies out there, you know, companies that everybody would know and, uh, and how they go beyond just, you know, for instance, um, Starbucks. Uh, so Starbucks has a mission statement uh, to inspire and nurture the human spirit. One person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. You know, so That's a winning aspiration. <laughs> yeah. A winning aspiration is more than just serve a good cup of coffee. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so for a church, 
you know, somebody might say, well, well, our mission is to create disciples. Well, you know, that's great. Uh, that's great. But what what does that look like in a aspirational picture for your particular mm-hmm. congregation? What's the particular thing, um, you, you know, that that God is inviting you when you are at your best living into your identity and into the calling that God has for you? What does that what does that mean? What does it look like? Yeah. 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 All right. Well, moving on to the second question, where will we play? Yeah, where will we play? So in the business world, where will we play tends to mean who is our consumer segment? You know, who is our potential customer or client, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's really important, I think, for a business to know who they are working for, you know, who they are, who, who their um, product uh, meets a need for. Um, for the church, I think this this invites us to consider: Can we be all things to all people? And probably the answer is no. And so we have to start thinking about what is our playing field? Who are the people that God has invited us to connect with? And that may be geographically. Um, that may, may be with a, a particular heart for a sort of ministry or a sort of population. Um, that may be based around some theological conviction that we have. Um, I think the where to play question helps us to, to hone in on how we uh, focus our time and energy and resources. And I think um, since many churches have gone to live streaming, I think that's a really important question because suddenly <laughs> um, our services are being broadcast across the universe. And <laughs> um you know where is where is our focus to be? Is yeah. it across the universe, or is it the local the local body of Christ? Um, my church um, is in Florida, and so we have a good many snowbirds, and so our uh, playing field, if you will, increased. Um, not only could we minister with our snowbirds seasonally, but we can minister with them all year long now. Right. And so if you define your playing field as the group of people who are both in town for part of the year and out of town for part of the year, it really mm-hmm. can can begin to help you shape, well, what are the intentional strategic steps that we need to take to make sure we are, are following through on ministry with those people or maximizing the impact we can have and yeah. staying connected yeah, yeah. with them? Okay, good. Number three. Yeah. How will we, how is it? What, how will we know we've won? What, yeah, how will we win? Yeah, how will we win? So how again, we've we got win? that word showing up. And uh, right. and, and that word is there. So the, the book that all of this comes from, uh, the Strategic Choice Cascade, is a book called Playing to Win. And so the, the winning language is sort of core to Martin and Lafley. And again, mm-hmm. for us, I think as churches, we've got to decide how, how do we negotiate that word. Uh, so how will we win for Martin and Lafley is basically what are the concrete ways that we feel we can live into that winning aspiration? So we've got a winning aspiration that talks about at the, the broadest, largest level, what is our reason for existence? You know, what's our purpose in the world? 
And then we've got a where to play decision that helps us to sort of locate where we're going to engage in our winning aspiration. So now the how to win is the practical, um, what are the pieces of the puzzle? What are the things that we need to actually do in order to live into that winning aspiration? So maybe for churches here, we go back to, to kind of what, is, what does it look like to use our gifts and skills that we believe come from God, you know, the identity that we have as a congregation. What does it look like to use that and to put a plan in place to move toward the winning aspiration, you know, using, using the gift, skills, um, calling that God has for us? Of course, the old metric for that, and we do have an episode on metrics, if you're interested in that episode. I think that was last season or maybe two seasons ago yeah. with Eric yeah. Spivey. Um, the old buildings, bodies, and budgets, that's been the old metric. Yeah. Um, and we, we've talked about a new metric. And I, I love, I think Mark Tidsworth, maybe via Brian McLaren, I'm not sure where this came from, but I would love to... Uh, give my my congregation a one-question survey maybe at the end of every year. By being a part of Chapel by the Sea, I've become a more loving version of myself. And to me, that's yeah. a, <laughs> that's how yeah. we'll know we've won if they say, yes, that's true. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, you know, with this step and then, you know, the next two questions in the cascade are very practical, on-the-ground kind of systematic things. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that's really where I think we get into how do we measure, quote unquote, success, or how do we measure yeah. whether we are living into our aspirations? So I think we begin that with the with the how will we win? Um, you know, this might be, how will we know we are being faithful? You know, maybe mm-hmm. that's the question mm-hmm. that the church yeah. would want to ask, or the congregation would want to ask is, how will we know we're being faithful to that larger aspiration, you know, that thing that we like that. believe yeah. at our core, we believe God has called us to this thing and God will give us what we need to do the things God calls us to do. Well, so then what's, what's our way? What are some pathways forward that will help us to make progress toward that winning aspiration? How will we know we're being faithful to the things God calls us to do? Yeah. Very good. All right. Question number four, what capability do we need? Yeah. What capabilities do we, do we need? And so this would be once we've got an idea of, Hey, this is what winning would look like. So a a year from now, if we looked back at where we've come from, are we a better version of ourselves? So we kind of lay out some metrics for that. You know, what are, what are some of the, the pathways we might choose to spend our time and energy and, and, and talent on as a community. So what capabilities must we have? So, so we want to look at those winning strategies or those faithfulness strategies and say, do we already have some or all of the, the capabilities to make progress? Um, if so, great. Um, you know, these are the things we need. We need uh, a group of people with this skill. Uh, we need um, staff members who have the time to commit to this. Um, we need um, programmatic pieces that engage our community. So these are the things mm-hmm. that we need in order to move toward our aspirations. So the capability question is basically, you know, 
if if we have these abilities and these resources and we use them to our best potential, will they move us down the line toward our aspirations? If if yes, then great. We've got a good sense of what the tools we have to move us down the road. If the answer mm-hmm. is no, then we've got to think about, well, then what? Do we move back up the cascade and kind of reformat <laughs> that aspiration and the and the answer to what is winning or where to play? Do we say, right now we can't really play in that online space? You know, we, we really need to focus on, you know, the people who are really right here in our neighborhood right now. Um, mm-hmm. And so maybe you need to go back and say, we don't have all the resources to do all the things. We need to narrow down our playing field or we need to rethink what it means to win. Or we need to figure out what would it take to develop that capacity? You know, what would we right. need to develop that capacity or capability to, to really pursue the things that we've laid out in the first few questions. So just going back to that same example of, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> moving into a hybrid church. So not only did we need to figure out live streaming for our worship services, but also a hybrid approach to Bible studies and uh, board meetings. And Pastoral so care. the capabilities then... Pastoral care, absolutely. So the capabilities then related to not only the equipment that you need in the sanctuary, but equipment in the boardroom um, mm-hmm. for, you know, having good hybrid um, meetings and studies. And probably also human resources. You know, who is, who right. is tracking along with the folks who are joining worship virtually and mm-hmm. uh, helping them to be as engaged as possible through that medium, you know, who is mm-hmm. uh, assisting with pastoral care and tracking along with people's needs when they're out of town, uh, you know, for the season. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you've got a whole um, system of capabilities that just need to be assessed. You know, do we yeah. do we have the capability of doing this thing? And if not, then we need to either adjust the expectations on the front end or we need to think about how to develop the capability um, to, to implement. Yeah, love that. Great. Okay. Fifth question. What management system do we need? Yeah, so this is honestly... Well, we just need a pastor. The pastor will do all of it. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, you've basically uh, taught this part of the segment, Rhonda, right? Uh, I think that's probably the approach that I don't know if many churches take that approach. I think that's probably the, the way that we tend to think about this, right? Uh, you know, we need we offload a lot of the work to the paid professionals, um, and you know, maybe part of the paid professionals' job is to to um, give that work back to the congregation. And, uh, and to interpret that theologically for them, right? Um, <laughs> one of the challenges here is that sometimes the management systems that we have in place are relics of another era of church life. And mm-hmm. so I think this is true in the business world as well. I mean, I think there's a constant need to reevaluate whether we're measuring the right things um, rather, whether the type of organizational structure we have in place is the most um, suitable 
or efficient for doing the work that we say we're trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I think really what this is, this question is about alignment to me. Uh, this this question of mm-hmm. what are the systems or structures that we need. We need systems and structures that really foster support and nurture our progress toward the winning aspiration. So you kind of see how that first question cascades down mm-hmm. to each of the steps. And so if our structures and systems are not helping us to have the capacity to put winning practices together in our playing field to meet the winning aspiration, you know, they're all really kind of related to one another. And for churches, I think this is a particularly critical question in this, I don't know, post-COVID era for the church, but also just in an era where many churches have seen numeric decline and where we've also seen the people who are, maybe we're, maybe we have roughly the same number of people that we had 20 years ago that are participating in church life, but they're participating in a different way and at a different level. And so this question I think is critical for churches in that we need to bring our structures and systems into alignment with the reality of what our context and capabilities are in 2023. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just an example from my congregation again is we're evaluating whether we will stay in the playing field of trying to have a robust children's ministry. You know, mm-hmm. we've been kind of struggling along with couple of three kids and investing a lot of resources, human resources into that. Um, mm-hmm. And do we need to stay in that playing field, right? Yeah. Or do we need to allocate those resources some other place? And so um, kind of jumping back up, right, to the what uh, third question, second question. Yeah. Jumping back up to the What's second question. Field? like, yeah, And then coming back down to the what management system. Well, if we're... <laughs> If we're not going to be in that playing field, then we don't need a director of children's ministry at, at my church. Yeah, I mean, we might need to do something else, but you would the organize your staffing to... in a different way. Yes, yeah. exactly right. Well, and mm-hmm. and I think one of the gifts of this cascade, this model, is circling back up to that top question: What is our winning aspiration? What does it look mm-hmm. like to be faithful? to what God has called us to do in the world. What's what's a picture of that? Um, and I think the key is when we are further down the cascade and we're trying to make a difficult decision, I mean, I would imagine that's a difficult decision for a church to say, right. do we continue to play in the children's ministry, family ministry space where, you know, everybody's always thinking, are we young enough? Do we have enough young people? How do we attract more young people? So it's a right. difficult question to even ask. But if you situate that question within a clear picture of who we are and what God has called us to do, you know, what is our winning aspiration, then that at least provides the context for a challenging conversation. Mm-hmm. What I love about this cascade is it, it gives clarity to decision making. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Right. And I'm somebody, I'm an idea person. You know, I've got the ideas and other people kind of <laughs> make the ideas happen. Um, but I have too many ideas. You mm-hmm. can't, uh, there's no way we would want to uh, do the ideas, right? All the ideas. But, um, you know, just for my own personal use, I can kind of plop an mm-hmm. idea into this cascade and say, okay, that's really not what, what we're supposed to be doing right now. Rhonda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and imagine taking that from the level of, you know, it, it would be great if just pastors received this as a tool for themselves, right? You know, it's, it, it seems like Absolutely. there are just easy yeah. ways that today or tomorrow you could pass something that you're dealing with right now through this lens. But well, then just imagine, how to spend our time. Yeah, yeah. It, but right? then imagine taking that conversation and the strategic choice cascade, taking it to your leadership team or your deacons or mm-hmm. uh, your your uh, staff colleagues and saying, what yeah. if we use this as one way, one tool for thinking about how we're spending our time and energy and resources, uh, having a mm-hmm. larger, more intentional conversation around that. You know, the more people you pull into this conversation, um, I, I think the more alignment that a congregation will have in terms of its mission, purpose in the world, and and then the practicality of how do we live that out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's a great tool. And um, in the toolkit that will be available online, um, will there be something about this in the toolkit that you're going to provide? Yeah. So I think in the toolkit, what we'll have there is, um, you know, references, obviously, to some of the, the people and ideas that we talk about, given credit where credit is due. Uh, then we'll also have some further reflection, some places you can chase down more information, some links to outside resources, and then mm-hmm. kind of a practical piece. You know, as a pastor, or as a church leader, what are some practical ways that I could put this into practice in my setting or context next week? And uh, hopefully right. that will be a tool, a, a resource that can really make some of this theory, uh, bring it down to the ground and make it applicable for people. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, David, I think I've got a pretty good understanding and I appreciate that. I think it is a great tool and I I look forward to trying it um, (laughs) on my people. (laughs) There you go. Put it into practice. That's right. All right. Anything else that you need to tell us about this or other holy experiments joining God's mission in the world relevant material? No, just that I, I hope that somebody that listens or watches this today will have uh, at least one little practical piece that they can put into practice and uh, tune in to the next session when we get it up and rolling. And uh, hopefully there'll be something else. We'll move on to a, a, a different method uh, or model. Uh, we'll be looking at design thinking next time. Design thinking. Great. Well, thank you so much, Reverend Dr. David Brown, for this great session. I've learned a lot. And I guess we can point people to the Pinnacle website, and they can find more information about pastor life there. Uh, the Pinnacle website is pinlead.com, P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com, and you can link to pastor life there. And you can also find out all of the other sorts of services uh, that we offer uh, to support and encourage pastors and churches to join God on mission in the world. And. As always, thanks for joining us on this episode of Pastor Life Podcast. We're glad you took a break and now get back to joining God's mission in the world. See you next time.